Hello, and welcome to Out in the Woods, ladies and gentlemen. The episode, A Year in a Making. My mentor and inspiration, whatever you want to call him, he probably doesn't like those titles, Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. Jeff, how the hell are you? You're putting an awful lot of pressure on me, JD. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now, You're used before to being I, on before, podcasts, so. I appreciate you inviting me on. Thank you very much. You're very generous to invite me on. I appreciate it. I'm the one what? who's generous. I have a question for you. Oh, no. Okay. Are your parents going to listen to this podcast? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. All right. That was that was the last thing in my spiel is by all means, per, please uh, feel free to swear. This is, uh, uh, this is no, I just I, if I if I browbeat you, I just want to oh, make sure funny. that your parents don't think I'm being too hard on you. Look, this is I'm just kidding. Entertainment. That's for the listeners. Right. That's what we're going for. So full send, full blast, as they say. Mm hmm. So I was just thinking um, a little bit as sort of an icebreaker. Right. Do you do you like the Beatles? <sighs> Good question. I um, I'm uh, I'm 50 50 on the Beatles. OK. I like but you're parts. all in. You're all in on the Rolling Stones, right? Definitely, without question. Except for Goathead, Goathead Soup. I'm not always, that wasn't my favorite album. But other than that, yes, I'm 100. percent I was curious because I know people who really like the Stones tend to dislike the Beatles and vice versa. So I wanted to get your opinion on it. Right. Or, or I at mean, least, you know, where you think that comes from, or like why, uh, why it's one or the other. Don't you think that's weird that of all the bands that those are the two that it's like you either like one or the other? I can't think of another group of bands where you either like one or the other. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a very I don't think there's I don't think there's any other musicians like that. Do you? No, no. And what makes what doesn't make sense is I I mean personally I think they're both great. Like they both were revolutionary, but people just seem to really hate one or the other if they love you know one or the other. Different bands too, completely different. They really didn't. They veered off into two different avenues. Yes, I would agree with that. I mean, not really want to say it. Oh, oh, by all means. The Rolling Stones are the greatest country music band of all time. Oh, that you you could say that. Okay, clearly. Um, I don't know if I was expecting you to say that. If I'm being honest, true, hundred percent true. Based Girl on with what? the faraway eyes, dead roses, dead flowers. They did that country honk. They they were it was a. What were we gonna talk about? The Rolling Stones all day. Well, JD, how are you? I'm I'm, oh, I'm a little thrown off because of that comment, but I'll uh you know I'm not a big big Rolling Stones fan, so I'll have to listen to more of them. But I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here, Jeff. How the hell are you? Good. You know, it's it's funny that you said uh, this is a year in the making, because uh, I guess it is a year in the making. Yes. When you when you started this, you asked me on, and I said I I, I said do a hundred episodes, do a year, do a year, give me a full year, and uh, you did it. You did a good job. You did a very good job, and I I uh, Thank you. I'm very proud of you. Aww. I don't know if I want to be referred to as your mentor, but how about just your friend? Well, you did that. That'll wow that. That's a big title, though. You did you did help me out with the well. You've helped me with a lot of stuff, but uh, the welding, the the fireplace screen, the branches and stuff. That was with the angle grinder, the cutoff disc. That tip, game changer. That's 
my pleasure. Glad to be so, of help. If if you necessarily don't want to be called mentor, like when someone asks, like, what what do you do? What do you call yourself? Uh, I I don't really. I I tend to not. I t- I don't know. I mean, look, I'm happy to to help, um, but at the same time, I'm not. I don't really have any interest in being someone's guide or you know sure. uh, guru or anything like that. I'm far more interested. In, you know, I help people when I can and. You know, I podcasting to me is is very important, and and uh, I think that I think it's important that people uh, get involved with doing it uh, in a very serious manner, and they take it very seriously. And um, I'm very appreciative of the fact that you've done that. So uh, I uh, I'm I'm honoring you with your uh, your uh, your hard work. Your well, hard thank work. you. But but let's I guess take a step back then from from podcasting and maybe our, our, uh, pre-existing arrangement, but like Joe blow on the street, you know, you're, you're chatting in an elevator and they say, what do you do? Like, do you say you're a knife maker or are you an artist? Do you sculpt? Are you a businessman? Like I'm kind of trying to figure that out for, you mean of, of me or for you, for you. Okay. So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I have a small business. Things. Sure. I have a small business. Um, I have a small business in the Hudson Valley, New York. I'm a knife maker. Um, my business is called Fader Knives and, um, I I've spent most of my life as a sculptor and a blacksmith. And then, uh, kind of the knife making kind of fell into my lap for, for the most part. And then, uh, in the meantime, um, I've been doing a lot, I've been podcasting for about 12 years and, uh, I appreciate oh it. I, pre- I I understand the value of of uh, of good audio. So, well, and it, there we go. there's a lot like of. I guess I call myself a knife maker. I guess I call you, myself a knife maker. You do okay because so I saw the reason I'm kind of wanting to wanting to tease this out is I, I saw your most recent post on Instagram or or maybe one of the most recent ones, and it was that reel of the knife that that wasn't finished and then it was. And you were saying how. It's a sculpture, but only just for a minute, you know, and that just kind of was like a epiphany of like, okay, what's a knife at, at each of these stages? Like, how can I be thinking critically about, about where my progress is in regards to the end goal? So like you, you do consider your knives sculpture at some point, right? Um, it's a, it's a, this is a new question. This is a new concept. So, so basically for the past, I'd say ten, uh, a little under ten years, I've been saying that as a sculptor and going to, and I went to art school and I have a degree in art and worked with artists and galleries and went through that whole awful world. I uh, when I got into the knife making game, I met a lot of artists. I met a lot of young knife makers who refer to themselves as artists, and they refer to themselves as I, I make art. And then when they would show me their art, they'd show me a knife they made. And it was like, you know, perfectly fine. But I kind of felt as the need of like wanting to hear more of what they were talking about, understanding what they meant, you know, what is art and why, what makes it art. And then after getting enough of these guys to say, uh, you know, I'm just an artist, you know, I'm an art, I'm making art. This is art. This is my art. I was like, yeah, this isn't good enough for me. And when I started to, uh, do more regular podcasting, especially on one of the co-hosts of Knife Talk, I really kind of wanted some sort of 
you know, hot take or controversial, <laughs> not too controversial take that wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, it wasn't too difficult uh, a task. It wasn't too hard uh, an edge for too hard of a pill to swallow. So I just basically said knives aren't art. And then that's been my bit for a long time. And, and I, I kind of believe it. And I don't believe it. And, and right now I believe that most of the knives that I make have this moment, this beautiful moment. Um, did I lose you for a second? No, you're good. I'm listening. All right. So it, some pop-up happened on the Zencaster. It said, Oh no. All right. So basically, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you got, I mean, I guess you have my audio. I'm assuming yeah. you have my audio. Yeah. Uh, I'm All seeing right. it come through still. So, I mean, it was this idea that, you know, throughout, you know, sculpture is, is not like art is and sculpture and painting. It's all kind of, they all have their own thing. And I started to notice there were these moments when I was making knives where they were very sculptural in regards to how they were presented and I was standing them up and they were sitting on a pedestal and then there were these different moments and I really kind of just started to fool around with that. And, um, yeah, so they're not art. They're only, the, the, the idea was that this particular th sculpture was only sculpture for like, you know, 30 minutes. And then all of a sudden <laughs> it was something else. It, it, you know, it's funny, like calling it sculpture in that way. But, you know, we've you and I probably look at more photos of knives than the average person, whether they're photos of our knives or someone else's on Instagram or whatever. But Typically, they're on a flat surface. Maybe they're propped up with something or, or like at most, you know, the tip is stuck into a cutting board or something. Right. But seeing the way that you had, and you, you don't do it super often, but when you balance them on the, the butt of the knife rising up, it it reminds me so much of like like someone like coming out of the water or something like there's so much movement in that photo whether or not, I mean, it was like the finished knife or the one that you were working on. Um, it was really, it was a very interesting angle to take a photo of a knife. And I mean, they turned out great. Um, but it's just so funny how something still has so much movement in it. Well, here's the thing about sculpture. So with a lot of sculpture, what you're trying to capture isn't just something beautiful, but you are trying to deal with movement. And you're trying mm -hmm. to deal with flow and everything like that. And there's a number of sculptors who really kind of created beautiful, giant, static sculptures. When I see static, they don't move. Mm -hmm. That create, that give the viewer the, 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 the idea of movement without it moving, right? So there's a yeah. sculptor by the name of Brancusi, who is probably my favorite. And my favorite sculpture he ever did was a, was a bird in space. Is a beautiful sculpture mm. of this kind of. It almost like this feather was just, and it was very similar to that. So, sure. Everything I've done for the past 50, twenty years, there's been this nod to uh, that concept. And the other thing is, is with movement and with things standing up on pedestals. There's a very thin, and this can get boring for some of your listeners. This art talk it's so fucking boring. No, it's but it's, it's, it's this it, we'll idea switch it that up. we'll switch it up. Well, I'm just, you know, continue with your thought yeah. by all means. I, I, I'm just I saying that great. when sculpture has this, when this has this up and down mo mo movement, there is the, there's a figurative quality to it. So it looks kind of like a person or a figure sure. and that ends up becoming part of the thing too. So I'm doing these subtle nods to the old school, you know, some Brancusi sculptures that I liked and some old sculptures that I used to make and it all kind of comes from the same place. So. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, at the same and at the same time, if I'm making sculpture now, I, I'm not really making it for anything other than just to kind of make it, which is kind of the most purest way to do it. So I'm not. I don't have any galleries anymore. I don't deal with just <laughs> dealers. I don't deal with gallerists or any or any of those people. Or um, so if I'm making it, it's out of a kind of more of a purity than a having to make it. So I kind of I, like it a little bit more. I'm a little bit less. I'm a little less apt to be uh, too picky. Well, I feel like that's you know that's kind of the reason like you're doing the whole color lab thing, right? Is like you you're slacking not slacking off, but you're you're letting back from custom orders. And you're kind of like, all right, like, what what do I want to make now? Like, you're putting your flair and your design choices into it. And, well, quite frankly, I think people are loving it. I mean, I, I don't know how many knives you guys are selling, but based on what I'm seeing, you guys are moving some product. <laughs> so, well, thank you. So, to give your listeners a little bit of a backstory. So, I make I make culinary, lots of culinary knives, and I was I like using high contrast colors. And then after a while, I started to realize that I wasn't really kind of activating the candles as well as I could be. And I've been using G10, which is this uh, fiberglass epoxy kind of combination. And then um, I've been kind of stacking them together and using color, color theory to make contrast and stuff like that and kind of creating something a little bit different than what most people do. And it's become much more f- interesting for me and fun and also separating myself out from other knife makers. And it's it's much more like not only just the construction of it all, but the theory, the art theory, the color theory. So it's been fun. It's been fun. And uh, yeah, it's been going good. It's been going good. You really have, Thanks. I will say, like carved out, pun intended, carved out a, a niche. Like people use G10 all the time, right? And, uh, and I've used it people use it all the time. It's great material. It's sometimes a little tricky to work. I'm, I'm hearing the tile saw might be the way to go, but, um, like the, the way that you present your handles and especially doing like the asymmetry and stuff, like, I feel like now more than ever, if someone shows you a picture of a knife, you could be like, that's a fader knife. Like that's, that's one of theirs, you know, like you really have well, distinguished yourself. Cause there, I just don't see people doing what you're doing with the G10. And it's not like it's some, you know, crazy revolutionary thing, but it is really unique. Too kind, JD. I'm just saying, I do I'm things out of spite. as I see him. You do. I do things out of spite, JD. I do things out of spite. Somebody told me you can't do asymmetrical anything. And I was like, I'm going to start to do some asymmetrical handles. And I really <laughs> watch me. It was, it was more along the lines of, it was more along the lines of, and also in the beginning, it was a little bit more, you know, asymmetry is kind of interesting with the way I do it because it becomes, it isn't just like do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. You know, what I try to do is both colors have a relationship, both sides have a relationship, the left side and the right side of a relationship. Mm-hmm. So there's never, it's never just like, in the beginning, it was like, you know, just do whatever the hell you want. And now it's very, like, th- more thoughtful in regards to how the both sides relate. So it's asymmetrical, but at the same time, it's not. Because you have this kind of conversation between the re- left side and the right side. I try to make it, you know, if I, if I, the, the most important thing is I got to try to make it interesting f- and thoughtful for mm-hmm. me. And then if that translates to me and I like it, then hopefully my customers like it. And so far so good it's been it's been a kind of a neat way to kind of 
also be spiteful towards the idea of even myself where I say knives aren't art. And now I'm going ahead and trying to prove me or prove myself wrong. And I'm still, I still haven't, I still haven't, I still haven't proved myself wrong yet, but (laughs) well, I'm just thinking like, give it a try. Your, your color lab and the, the asymmetry of it and things like those, those are all very intentional decisions that you're making and the, the progress of your knife. And, you know, you go to some of these modern art museums and it's like a blue line on a white canvas or something. And everyone's like, well, I could do that. It's like, well, you didn't. Yeah. You know, it's the intention. Well, that's my line. Of... You just took my, that's my line. Uh, well, yeah, I, know. I wonder where I got it from. <laughs> yeah. But that's the, it's... well, here's the prop. Here's the prop. I'll tell you what the big problem is. The big problem is, and this is not, a, honestly, it isn't that big of a problem, but there is a lack of. <laughs> there's lack of understanding about being able to talk about art. So mm. when somebody looks at a piece of a painting and they say, well, I could have done that. And you say, well, and then the, obviously the answer is, but you didn't. It mm. isn't about, it isn't about the fact that it's done. It's the intentions of getting them done. Like what are your, what is the artist trying to say? And then instead of just looking at it and saying, well, I, you know, I, it's a line with a square or something like that. You're being, you're wondering where it's coming from. And then also in the balance and then the evolution of their own work. So it's a, it's, I think we become, we're a little bit too flippant when we look at people's work and, you know, have a step back and kind of investigate and talk about things and what interests you and what doesn't interest you. And then all of a sudden, maybe the simplicity is part of the whole project. Maybe that this is, maybe it is about the, you know, the execution. Maybe it is about, there's a lot of different ways that I think we, we, uh, I think a lot of times when people look at art, mm-hmm. they're, they're easily to dismiss the, the intentions of the artist as opposed to just kind of like, what, a, what JD, what is this? Is this about that? This is about the woods. <laughs> we talked about the woods. I, what, are we, what are we doing? Well, no, I, I mean, we could talk about whatever, but I, I, I don't know. It was, I think it was on, a, on the right track. We can switch it up. It's no big no, deal. No, 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 no. I apologize. You throw I in like just, a dick joke know. or something. We can lighten it up. We no, can, no, 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 no. Uh, I, I apologize. I apologize. I was being, uh, um, I was being, uh, un- I, unnecessary. Keep going. Let's talk about art. Well, no, we can switch it up because this, this is not at all the original direction of the episode that I wanted to go. But I, I'm not complaining by any means. I'm just happy that we're here chatting around some microphones. Um, it's been, it's been fun. Uh. Oh man. Well, I think we can we can wrap it up. We can move on to something else. But I think a lot of the reasons Whatever you like, want. When when people say, Oh, that art, it's so beautiful, you know, that's all just visual. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of I think how most people view things is oh, it's beautiful, it's art. And I, I think a lot of these people that are incredibly talented, and I would call them artists, but like if I have a photorealistic painting of an orange that I drew. And I drew it just to have a photorealistic drawing or whatever of an orange. Like, that's not art. That's just it's just skill. Like that, you know. Like, there's no intention to but it. That's, I just did it to do but it. But that's not. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily have to have intent. I mean, the intention doesn't have to be, you know, the the fact that it's. An, I wanted to, somebody wanted to draw an orange. You know, there's there's all. I mean. Art's tough, man. Art's tough because I think that what you have to think about is you have to think about, you know, what is art actually? And it's, it's, the, it's the physical representation of the artist's thoughts and hopes and, and their feelings. 
However, they just have to have a little bit of like, in my opinion, they have to, they should have a little bit of like, you know, understanding of what they're trying to get across mm. and being able to explain it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a question of whether or not it's art or not, but whether or not it's successful to what the artist was trying to do. I think that there's a lot of things that don't need that, you know, it's not a question of whether or not it is art or not, but it's like, is the artist, is the artist being successful in what they're trying to get across? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. I could see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like if the guy tells you, guy says to you, guy says to you, I'm going to draw you an orange and it's going to be a beautiful orange, but it's a banana. (laughs) You're going to say... Well, was the intention for it to be an orange or banana? And you say, because it's an orange. Was it that? And it wasn't that successful. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yes. Like, I got it. You want to try to be able to be, the, that's the intention. So if you're intent, like, here's an example. Um, and this is not art. You know, um, the intention of Aaron Goff, one of the great knife makers, good friend of mine. Great episode, He makes by the way. knives. His intentions are to make knives almost as perfect as they can be. So he goes about trying to mechanize all the steps in which to make his knife as perfect as possible using CNC machines and using mathematics. And he's really trying to just, his intention is to make it perfect. Now that would be the intention of him. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't, I don't, that's not my intention. So for an artist, I think the intention is what you're trying to get across and the most important parts of it that are going to matter to you and to the viewer. Yeah. I gave so you too much. I'm I'm Sorry. actually really happy that you brought up Aaron. So I'm I'm only like ooh, maybe 30 45 minutes into that episode. Great great episode by the way. It's really fun getting a full blast podcast. Full blast. Um we'll have links for everything down below in the description for the listeners. Um Thank as you. well. So Aaron uses a lot of these CNC's and things like that and I don't know if you get this question a lot. Uh and I have had this conversation with people about like, oh, well, you didn't make it then of like, if you do get something cut out on a water jet or you do use a CNC, it's like, no, I, you know, I, I still made it. I just use different tools. And so I'm wondering like, in regards to cooking, like, uh, I mean, do you think like pellet grills or like a sous vide, do you think those are like hacks? Do you think those take away from it? Or you can even say, you could even say CNCs. You want to browbeat oh, Aaron for a little so, bit. So, so we're so okay. So, is the delivery? It depends on the delivery system, is what you're saying. So, oh. do I think that? Do I think that uh, uh, small efficiencies are cheating? Is that what you mean? Well, like, say I put two knives down in front of you, uh, okay. that are, we'll say the exact same, or they look the exact same, and I say one of them I used my grinder, my you know. Broadbeck, you guys are sponsored by Broadbeck, right? We don't have to mention sponsorships, whatever. But I use a grinder for one and a hand file for the other. Okay. Are people going to have an assumption that one of them is better than the other? Or like one of them is more handmade? Um, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, it depends. Here's the funny thing. The only people who say that stuff are, are, are knife makers or uneducated people uneducated okay. in the sense of what things are made of i hope the listeners like, are taking once in a while i'll get a customer who will say he'll say that he'll he'll show his knife to a friend of his he'll say, oh jeff forged this and i say to him, no i know i didn't forge it 
Mm. You know, I'll be very clear that this was, you know, a knife was stock removal. I used machines sure. to cut it to place. I used it to machines. I did not forge this knife. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that, that's just the way it is. In regards to knife makers saying, oh, you cheated. I had once had a guy come in here who wanted a job. And I think he he was, uh, he was, had made a couple knives before and he was looking down. He was doing everything you don't do when you're looking for a job. <laughs> and then I told, like, he was just a little bit too familiar and he was a little bit like, he, he did something that drove me crazy. He just, he took one of my knives and looked down the barrel of it, looked down mm. the spine to see if there was any warpage in it. And mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, bro, I don't know what you're looking for, but this is, you know, don't, you're not, you know, the, you're not the, uh, inspector you need an inspector <laughs> and all of a sudden he noticed that i had some jigs so i could get this bevel made and he goes jigs well that's cheating and all of a sudden i was just like and it was very much long as i said i don't this is not it's not i don't understand what you're talking about and the idea is is there's this there's this idea that having efficiencies and having figuring out ways in which to do things, mm-hmm. there's a there's a level of there's a level of a greater good. There's a level of of um, people thinking higher of you or lower of you. And when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter. I don't really get fired. I've had famous knife makers joke around, just call me stock removal guy, which doesn't bother <laughs> me at all. Doesn't bother me at all. That I but would it say was is meant to be. Your... It's meant to be insulting. It's meant sure. to be insulting. It's meant to be insulting. But oh, really? When you, oh, of like, course. When like you, they when they were serious about as, it. When people when you refer to someone as oh he's just a stock removal guy. I mean there's there's some there's some heat back there. There's some Oof. heat behind there. Oof. And there it's it's just meant to be. It's meant to be uh, you know backhanded to a certain degree. It's meant to be uh, a little bit uh, a little bit touchy, a little bit tight. And, uh, you know, it uh, depends on how you take it. Sure. Sure. Well, here's the stock removal. You know, what can you do? So, but Bread like, butter, uh, I, I am curious your thoughts on, and I, I promise we're going to, the, the main goal, I wanted to talk to you about discipline. And I realized okay. I texted you that wrong. I said uh, dedication, just discipline. Okay. But I'm wondering like, uh, you know, do you, do you think like a, like a Traeger or something like, like a, kind of going back to earlier, like a pellet grill or a sous vide or, or like air fryers. Like, do you think those are little hacks or little cheats or, or do you think they're just kind of another efficiency? No, I think that, uh, I think that any way in which to kind of make sure that you get what you need to d- done done is a, a good efficiency to make your food the way you want it or make your knives. The, the issue isn't whether or not they're okay or not. It's a question of whether or not you're being honest about it or not. Mm. You know, if you tell somebody that I built a fire and then I created some Yucatan smoking chamber and then when you just kind of stuck it on the pellet grill and then <laughs> cooked it to your iPhone, those yeah. are two different things. So sure. it's, it's a question of how honest you are. I, I, I don't see there to be a, I don't really give, I don't, I, I don't, frankly, I, God bless you. If you can figure out a better way to make your life easier and then everything come out right, then who am I to say? Now, if you were to say, you know, you know, it's just the question of like, if you're a, you're a pizza guy, sure. if you're a pizza guy. So at what point, what's your limit? Do, do you have to grow the wheat? Do you have to mill the wheat? Do you have to grow the tomatoes? Do you have to milk the cows? You have to make your own cheese. I mean, you know, at what point are we, can we just, you know, 
make sure. food and that's just the end of it. I mean, restaurants have been using sous vide cooking for, for years in order to be able to make things, you know, on time and correct. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter to me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to get your thought. Yeah, if, no, I'm for if, it. If I'm for like, I mean, I'm not going to buy an air fryer because I need one more thing like I need a hole in the head. And, I, and I'm probably, most likely, most likely, uh, I think uh, hot air fryers are going to end up being like a microplastics delivery system <laughs> organs. I think that uh, I think that we're going to find out that micro air fryers are probably going to be one of the worst things that you ever, ever people ever bought in the 2000s. Well, you and know what you're they gonna say have all these about micro- uh, microplastics, right? What do my, they say, JD? M- microplastics are uh, my generation's lead paint or lead chips. So it could be. Could I, be. I love that. Be, I love I that mean, analogy. That, that, that air those two together. Down with air, air fryer, though. I don't know, man. man. If you got an oven, you don't. I don't think you need an air fryer, but whatever, whatever. So then, like, uh, getting into the thick of it, the discipline of it, which I, I, you know, going back to like me doing a podcast for a year, that is like the discipline, and then the reward is this episode right here, and I am. I think I'm hopefully a half decent podcaster at this point. We'll see. Verdict's still out. But that discipline of like, okay, we're going to get something. We're going to do it regularly. Um, You know, I think back to like when I was in college and stuff. My sleep schedule was all over the place. You know, I would maybe work out. I maybe wouldn't work out. I was eating like garbage. My study habits were horrible. And I look at kind of recently, like I got a full-time job and I bought a shop and things like that. And it's like, I've noticed this structure in my life and this kind of discipline of like, I'm going to go to bed at 930, you know, and I'm going to get up at six and these things of like, okay, I'm also going to eat right or try to anyway. And it's like, I still had responsibilities back in college. I still had things that I needed to pay for. I still had people that I needed to do things for. You know, I still had responsibilities. But now I just, I don't know if it's like a maturity thing or what, but I just, I don't know where this sense of discipline in my life has come from. And I think it's really tricky because like, say I want to be the best bladesmith in the world. I'm not going to get that by just going and messing around the shop all day. Like it takes discipline. So I'm wondering like, like, you're in knife making to be a business, right? Right. And that takes a discipline of, I'm not just going to make whatever I want today. Like I'm going to, I'm going to meet this quota. I'm going to set goals. I'm going to sit down and actually look at my finances of things like that. So I'm wondering kind of like, where do you think discipline comes from for just like a, you know, in your everyday life? Like, what do you think causes it? Well, I, I, that's a good question. And and I think that I, you know, in general, I think most people have a, you know, a weird definition of what their idea of discipline is. And I, and what's weird about it all is I have people, I've had people in my family who have been on very unmotivated to the point where there's zero discipline and you start to, over time, you've seen how, that lack of motivation or lack of discipline, you see f- the physical consequences and the, the financial consequences and the consequences of a life of, you know, pretty much d- zero discipline. Mm-hmm. And 
it becomes something that you're just like, is this the way I'm going to go down? And and you <laughs> think about that. That's the one number one. And number two is, is like, I think that, I mean, I've always, my one side of my family is very disciplined. The other side of it was as, as disciplined. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I kind of take after a little bit more of the discipline side, but I started to realize later in life that being organized and being disciplined, I always had better results and mm. no matter mm-hmm. what I did. And, and the other thing is, is like, I had to also prove to a lot of people when I went to a, a college and I had an art degree and then I left, my father who was a painter who said to me, he's like, well, what are you going to do for a living? How are you going to, and I had to figure it out. And, and if I want, you know, you can just say you're an artist, you can say you're going to be a sculptor, Sure. But if you can't make it pan out, how do you, how do you, how are you going to do that? And, and it was very, for me, it was about figuring out a way to be as organized as possible and to be as motivated as possible to kind of make sure that my dream could kind of come true. So mm-hmm. at the time I got a shop, I was assistant to five different artists. I was working all day, seven days a week. I was working for artists, just trying to make rent for my apartment with my girlfriend and my my apartment, my shop in, in Brooklyn. And it was this constant, like, it was a, it was a question of like, I didn't really have a, a backup. I, I didn't have a family that was going to give me money. I didn't, I was living in Manhattan, super expensive place to live. That's where I was, I grew up. And it was, it was a question of either I can make this happen or not. So mm-hmm. I really had to, and once I had my shop and I would have a few days a week and I'm 20 years, you know, 22, 23, and I had the shop and I had a couple of days to be there a week as opposed to the, you know, the rest of the days I was working for other artists trying to make money. Mm-hmm. I felt as though you know, if, if I were going to have this shop and make sculpture, I have to treat it like it's a, like it's important and it's in business and it's not fooling around. So from an early age, I was really along the lines of, I have to prove, I have to make sure that the it's worth it to pay rent on the space. So I really kind of had a, a and I really had a very uh, strong work ethic because the harder the work I did and, and I, the more I could get out. And then if the more I could get out, maybe I could make some sculpture to sell the sculpture. And that was, it was, that was the only way it was going to work. I would also have a lot of deadlines. You know, if I have a show with a gallery, I'd have to make sure that had deadlines. And if I have deadlines, you have to be disciplined enough to meet those deadlines. So it's just a question of trying to understand what things are worth to you. And, and I talked to a lot of young knife makers, um, and there, there's this concept of, should I go full-time? Should I go part-time? And mm-hmm. a lot of it is, and for Knife Talk, we get a lot of questions from these guys saying, sometimes I come to the shop and I'm just not motivated to work. Or then some people say, well, I only want to make what I want to make. And why are people buying my work? And sometimes I don't really want to do large batches because that doesn't sound like it's going to be fun. And there's a lot of this, I hear a lot of people that just, it seems as though they don't want to do something. So for me, discipline is is important. And when I started to work at the Center for Mental Arts, being a blacksmith, the idea of forging, forging steel, is 100% discipline. If you, mm-hmm. you, you have very set steps in which to get to, you have, a very, you have a short amount of time between heats, you have different things that can happen. The anvil takes away the heat. You have, to, you have a certain amount of time to hit to make a certain incision and all that. So being disciplined allows you to kind of see things through and what blacksmithing ultimately is, and I'll, and I'll, I'll stop talking and I've gone on for a while. This is a podcast. Talk, talk all you want. 
I know. I know all about it. So, <laughs> you know, blacksmithing is the physical manifestation of your own discipline and your, 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 your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, but without the discipline, you can't do anything. I mean, you, most of these guys, which I refer to as slappers, do what's called uh, experimenting. And they'll end up making wizard sticks and some bullshit, and, and it's and it's and it's all and it's all really a very cluttered mind and not having a game plan. So once I kind of really fell in love with forging, and I realized that these you know same you know organizing and being disciplined and having technique and figuring out things, thinking things through, then why can't I just apply that to every part of my life? Mm-hmm. And over the past seven years, or the past 10 years, I've been slowly, slowly really looking at things in my life and saying, well, how would I do this if I would, you know, if this was a blacksmithing project, how would I do this? And now everything is discipline. Everything's discipline. Um, everything is what's my deadline and then work backwards and set my, my goals to make sure that I re- reach that deadline. Even coming on this podcast. Uh, I was ready 15 minutes early. Obviously, I had some technical problems with, uh, with Chrome. I'm was, still I, sorry I, you know, about I that. So, I feel sorry. I'm sorry that I should have known better. It was my fault ultimately. But it, it's more along the lines of everything I do, I'm very disciplined in regards to the time and the energy and the technique in order to kind of get things through. Because you ultimately, you ultimately, I mean, life isn't fun sometimes. And sometimes in which to get, uh, to your goal, there needs to be some discipline and hope is for the birds. Don't yeah. go with hope, <laughs> JD Eiler. Hope is for the birds. Okay, that's the well, name of this. That's the name of this episode. Hope is for the birds. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll I'm making a note right now. It I, is. I, I mean, Pete, you know, can you think of anything more passive than hoping for something good to happen? You have zero control over hope. I hope that this works out. I well, hope that. It, that it That's does the very serve, passive it does serve and... as a motivator, or, or no, 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 no. there's of, no motivation you know, to hope. It, how's motive? How does hope motivating? It it's like you're hoping that some despair. like third party will fix the problem. It fights off despair, and I think despair is when no, you get it doesn't. Into those... You fight I, off despair. Yeah. Well, okay. You fight think, off despair. I think. I think action and like, you know, you're stressed about this whole list, and so you just don't want to think about it, and you're going to go do something else. That's that's not how you solve your problem. You know, you're stressed, you don't want to work, but you have this list. Get one thing done. That is, yes, that's how you fight off your despair, right? Is by doing those things. But at least for me, I don't know. I there was a lot that you said, and I'm there's a lot of different ways I'm thinking about going. But um, man, hope is for the birds. That's it's coming from the man who doesn't like true. snacks in his shop. God, no, uh, no, no. I'm stools against. I'm still. yeah. No, I don't. I don't. You know, I eat in my shop. You know, it's. I it's did. Like, I have massive. I have, I used to have some interns here, and I'd have pizza on Fridays. But oh, that's, that's nice. That's, that's it. nice. It. I think people think about discipline, and it's like, it's so cold and square and bland and they think about creative projects and you know this uh you know you kind of talk about like uh the human element to it or showing the humanity like i envision that as very like a free form thing and then you have discipline as this rigid structure and i it was it's been you know chatting with you in passing and um 
listening to a lot of your thoughts on on like full blasts and stuff, it's like no discipline is not like the opposite of of the humanity. You know, if anything, I think it's a means to get there. Like well, having the discipline to do something does not mean it's going to turn out rigid and unartistic and bland. It just means that if anything, you're going to end up with a better result because you you understand the steps to get where you want to be. You have that discipline. But what to is ultimately? Those. But but what is JD? What is discipline ultimately? It's keeping it's yourself kinda, in check. It's just giving a shit. It's giving yeah, a shit. Sure. Right. Sure. Okay. I mean, that's when it, when you break it all down to the brass tacks, discipline is just caring a little bit and wanting to do well. Right. Mm, I mean, okay. recently I've been having some. I've been trying to. I've been fooling around with different parts of my health, and I decided before. I, here's a good example of discipline. I have a very good relationship with my doctor. Been going to him for a long time. We're on friendly terms, and I know what's going to happen when I go to the doctor. So when I have a doctor's exam, before I have the doctor's exam, I think about the things I should make sure that I've I'm caught up with before I get there. So I I have a schedule for a doctor's appointment and um, I got a month. I got a month. Oh. So I think to myself, okay, we want a good baseline with if I have a blood test or about this, that other thing. So I'm having some, so I decided to give up caffeine. I decided to give up caffeine because, you know, I got to talk to him about some things and I don't want him to say, well, you should stop drinking coffee. All right. I know he's going to tell me to stop drinking coffee. So I'll stop drinking coffee before he tells me to stop drinking coffee. So then I, then when I go in there, he says, eh, maybe you should stop drinking coffee. All right. I stopped it a month ago. So get, okay. Done. Time is not I, wasted. I very much disagree with this practice. Personally, I understand why like, wholeheartedly what you're trying to do. I understand. And I'm sure Why? if you if you believe that you know what he's going to tell you, then sure, go ahead, oh. get it done. But at the same time, like I, I if I'm living my normal life and I go to the doctor and they say, you know, everything's great or everything's shit, like at least then I'll know how I'm doing things normally works or it doesn't work. So, so then you it's like you're trying to you're trying to preemptive this doctor's visit because you don't want you don't want the you don't want the brow beating from the doctor. So you want a slovenly baseline is what you want. I want an honest baseline. I want my honest want baseline my, is okay. Here's but an honest baseline if you know what you're supposed to do and you know what you're not supposed to do and you know what you're trying to find out from the doctor and you know what he's going to say then, 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 why not just you know make sure you cut it out before you get there, and then all of a sudden you can decide whether or not it's made a difference or not. Well, okay, so I'm I'm currently I'm off the sauce. I haven't been drinking anything other than like water for for how long? Coming up on ten days. I did it at the start of the year for a little bit, um, and I was like, okay, I don't really feel any different, and so I'm doing it now. I just had my birthday last Wednesday, and I was like. I'm going to I'm going to just do it for a while and see how I feel. So it's just been like water. Is this for health reasons or for other reasons? Uh you could say religious. I'm Catholic, so it's it's for Lent. Um but at the same time ah. I'm also like I'm trying to run more. I want to see I'm treating this also as an experiment of like do I genuinely feel better when I don't drink caffeine or don't drink booze? Cuz I know I really enjoy feel? both of those things. 
I've just, I really, like I'm out at the ranch right now and sitting on the porch, drinking a cup of coffee in the morning when it's like super still, there's just birds chirping like that. That brings me so much joy. And I can't mm. do that right now. Like who wants to drink water on the porch in the morning? Like that just, listen it's not to the me. same. Listen to me. Listen to me. You got to listen to me, JD. I, JD I, I got headphones listen. in. I'm I haven't had a drink in a month. I haven't had a drink in a month. And Oof. I haven't had a call. I haven't had caffeine in a month. And it's because I wanted to make sure I'm in good shape. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to turn 50 this year. I want to be in good shape. I sure. want to get, get in good shape. And I might, I might give up booze altogether. But, I don't have a, I don't I, I might give it up just because I've, I haven't had a drink in a month and I feel great. I am going to go to, uh, I'm going to the city next week with a, a high school friend. We're going to go see the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. We're going to get steaks and I'm not going to drink water while I'm sure. eating a steak. Number that's one. Fair. That's fair. That's, that's verboten. I'm going to have a glass of wine. But other than that, if I don't drink again, I feel pretty good. Feel pretty but, good. Now, and then in regards to the coffee, well, eh, coffee's there's a couple first few days that wasn't nice yeah. but i got a, i found a decaf that's perfectly fine oh it's approach is fine and really? uh you're drinking decaf it's fine oh i mean i've thought about doing me? that Listen, i've thought about doing that see, and i i don't know if i can do it well you i mean i, th- I don't know if it's are, considered you, cheating well Wait, you, you, for me anyway for, for my discipline don't you want some discipline in your life yeah what's the so matter? that's why i'm not drinking the, that's, that's why i'm not drinking the decaf it's i just what's get really i get really tired of water i get really tired of water and i think that's why i like drink other things just in general whether it's it's sodas or booze or or uh you know coffee is because i just want some something like that's why I'm drinking Topo Chicos all the time is because they got a little bubble to them, you know. Right. That's enough. Seltzer water's good. It's it. Oh man, I love it. But like, I also know. Say I I'm back to my debaucherous ways of how I used to drink whatever, and I go to the doctor and they're like, "Hey, you know, like you're actually pretty healthy. Like you you could maybe cut back a little bit, but you're you're fine. Like then then why would why would I stop? That's what my whole deal is. Is like. If you enjoy drinking and it's not a problem for either personal or health reasons, then, you know, like if you enjoy doing it, then have the discipline, do it in moderation, but don't stop. That's my whole thought with it. That's why I think hacking your doctor's visits. I'm not a medical professional, though, so I don't know. I, I didn't. I'm not. I'm not hacking my doctor's. I visits. don't know. It's an outrage. I don't know. That's an outrage. I. You know what? I. I. I love to have a drink, but I know that it's also poison. I know that it isn't good for you. There's sure. No, there's no benefits to it. So it's Glass like wine if I feel better not drinking, then then I'm not gonna. Then it's working for me. So that's I, it. I have, but if I have an underlying condition, I'm trying to find out what the problem is. That's and then I know that there's a couple things that I can speed the process up by get cutting out. And I know that I, you shouldn't be, you know, if you're worried about hypertension, you're worried about stress, cut down on the coffee. Okay, well, I cut down on the coffee. So now we don't have to, I don't have to wait for another doctor's appointment. I'm going to sound like Craig, but you could just glass of wine and a bath or something, you know? Your, that's, that's, your, your listeners don't know what you're talking about. No, they don't. They don't, they don't know they don't. the this ins is, and outs it, of knife This is a conversation like between you and I, though. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Right. I understand. Right. I understand where you're coming from. 
I also no, have you're, come to you, terms you have, with You have death. too much hope. You have too much hope in your life, JD. No, I don't. You're I hoping. know I could die tomorrow. You're hoping that you have a, you're hoping. I'm going to enjoy too much my hope. life. I don't want hope. I don't. I enjoy my life. Yeah, but just I want to enjoy it. I, oh, maybe. Maybe. Fine. Well, oh, it, this is great. We're, we're checking off a lot of the things I have written down on my notes. Talk about not drinking, maybe. Question mark. How important? You want to keep talking about this, or do you want to you want to switch it up? I'm with go back you. I'm I'm at your I'm at your I'm at your disposal. So I have my thoughts on full blast because go ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong. You your your kind of your thesis or whatever is this this why of like why do you do it that way? You know, right? When you're talking to artists, why like why does your art look this way? You know, whatever, right or no. I mean, more or less. Sometimes you're I don't really have a thesis, but I'm just interested. In, I'm just interested in listening to other people's direction. Sure. I I can't help but think about not necessarily why, but like where does this come from? I think that's become such an important question for a lot of people in really the past few years of like, where am I getting my groceries from? Or where am I buying my clothing? Is it from a store down the street or am I ordering it from some corporation? Like, where did this knife that I just bought from someone, like, where did the handle material come from? They kind of want to know the story, right? And I can't help but feel like when you're hosting Full Blast, when you have these people on, and obviously you guys have a lot of fun with, like, the cowboy stories with Bensner. I love those. Love those, but I can't help but realize or think that you're really asking of like, where did all of this come from in a person? Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's a show. The, yeah, <laughs> th that's the question. Well, no, that's the. I mean, that's the. I mean, I think that with podcasting and interviews, what happens is is you'll find that an interviewer will. Uh, talk to their guests and say, all right, tell us your story. Mm. And then what happens is, is a lot of times the, the interviewer interviewee will just repeat the same story that they say every single time they're sure. on another podcast. For, for like every, and you end up yeah. hearing these kind of like very polished, you know, folksy stories that are just like the same horse shit you hear every single time. They know it's going to get a so laugh. They what know I've, it's going to, make them cry or something like that well i mean it i mean i've done it i mean i've been on podcasts before i was on you know in between podcasts i'd go on and they the interviewer would just you know ask me the same goddamn questions and it was always <laughs> just like this not really that thoughtful and you know so for me i really wanted to just kind of not i wanted to make sure i could get my guests to say something that they wouldn't have normally said. So I'll do a lot of research on who they are and then I'll talk about their work and I'll try to do a little bit of a backstory, but I'll try to make it, I'll try to push it in a direction that it isn't as, you know, the way they normally do it. And then I'll, we'll start to kind of like talk about things, but really for me, I've just, I'm just curious. So I don't really have like i I'm not trying to get something out of somebody, sure. but I just, I've learned how to, look at somebody's work and try to see where it came from, but also 
think about the things that they're saying while they're talking. Like that's the mm, most important thing. That is thing. So, a difficult skill. That's <laughs> nah, not that difficult. It's just, you just have to listen and, and then kind of like maybe if you've, if you're, you know, organized enough in terms of where you think you're going to go on the, sh- on the, on the interview, then you can say, Oh, that's interesting that you said that because that reminds me of something you did here or there. Mm-hmm. So it's just like trying to make your guests comfortable and then also be thoughtful in regards to their direction too. So I try to, I'm far more interested in the person that they are less in, than the tools that they have, less than the the things that they, you know, have seen or done. And I'm far more interested in where things have come from. Sure. Yeah. I It is kind of a uh, tricky question, I think, to answer for most of the things in our life. Like, you know, I know, okay, if I buy a block of handle material from such and such supplier, I know where that's coming from, but I don't know where he got it. But if I grow a tomato in the garden, right, I may not know where the seeds are, but at least I know where the tomato came from, what happened to it the whole way through, and now it's on my plate. Same thing with like, it's the reason that I hunt. Um, It's the reason that I really enjoy spending a lot of the time out here is because there's so many things that like, I know where my firewood came from. I know where my meat came from. I know where the vegetables that we eat when we have enough water to water the garden comes from. <laughs> and I, it really, I think that goes into a lot of what you're seeing in successful businesses or small businesses anyway, is really the ability to tell that story of like, here's a thing and it's great. You should buy it. Like that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work anymore. Now it's it. People want to know the where. Hmm. It's like when you Um, do your Hudson Valley Walnut handles, like that's a thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, when we're talking about people who are makers or, it, it's interesting to know why they got into what they've done, you know, they're, they're, and usually there's reasons that are a little bit more underlying than the reasons that they say. Sure. So for me, I'm far more interested in trying to like maybe find out something about someone that maybe they didn't thought, thought had, that hadn't thought about. So it's, 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 I try to be a little bit more interesting, you know, and, and uh, sometimes it's nice to have a guest that you've already talked to a few times and then you can just kind of like fuck around and, <laughs> talk about other things it, well it, it does I've, I, I've had some few people on a couple times now and I, I feel like the first episode um, is a lot of like who is this person you know at right. least for the listeners and then when they start coming back you know you do the, the bit with like the news stories the weird news stories and it, that always leads into some personal story or crack a joke or this thing or that or whatever it's a great diving board for your guests because you're beyond the, you know, what, what happened when you were in sixth grade that made you want to do this? You've covered all of that. You've kind of grown to know this person. And now you can, you're not playing catch up on the relationship. If you want to call it that you're, you're moving forward together. And I think that's really valuable. Whatever it takes to whatever it takes JD. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'm rambling. I'm rambling. So you got your Color Lab series out on Fader Knives. 
correct? Baderknives.com? Yes, sir. Okay. How are, how are things going with that? Are you looking forward to the year to come? I know it's a bit early. I'm sure you got lots of designs, cookings around. Are you feeling yeah, good about it? Yeah, it's been good. We've we've tried to change the way we do things now and and we're we're kind of like honing in on one specific set for the year and then we're doing you know we will figure out a set and we'll figure out a color lab style and then we'll base the whole year around that and then mm-hmm. we take custom orders but then we offer up these uh these new this new set so last year we had the uh neptune sunrise I think it was a seven piece set, eight piece, seven, seven piece set. And this year we're doing uh, cosmic drift and it's a five or six piece. And I can't remember. And um, it's a total different departure from last year. And it, we've tried to think about it. Like if I was having a new art show mm-hmm. and wanted to have all new artwork for the, for the year. So it's, it's, it's not a complete departure from what we've done, but it's almost like this. It's like a sequel. But it's like there, it's a, it's an all new work. So it's it's been a lot of fun. And then we're taking on a lot of custom orders, and I've uh, almost completely eliminated my list, which is great. It allows oh, me to kind of make the stuff I want to make. And yeah, it was a lot of work. It took a couple of years, and we 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 at uh, at the beginning of January there were only three orders left, and now they're starting to kind of like pile up again. But it was it's nice to feel like you have the ability to make things that you want and then we've been, we've made uh, a lot of knives just that i've just wanted to make and uh small knives and larger knives and using different materials that i haven't had a chance to use and it's been uh it's been well received this has been a good last year was a good year this year is going to be a great year it's a little I, teaching a little teaching ooh, this, I, not, not as much I, I just I saw to, that post so. you're coming back to center for metal arts right Yep, Center for Metal Arts, uh, April first and second, and then September third and fourth. I'm teaching the Forge Friction Folder class. I've been, I did it last year. I had a lot of fun with Pat Quinn and the guys down there. It's an awesome place. And then I'm teaching in June. I'm going back to Barcelona to teach with uh, Tomer Botner at Fortin Kitchen Knives, and we're gonna make, we're two weekend classes of knives. It'll be fun. I think I think we might have a listener or two from Spain. Believe it or not. Unless our unless our analytics are all over the place, so if you're one of those listeners in Spain, go to the go to the class with Jeff and Tomer. They're all they're booked up. I'm sorry. Spain. Oh, really? They're all, they're all oh. booked. Time is time is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it, JD. It's it's okay. There's there's like three people that listen to this podcast. So I I hopefully you know hopefully you'll sling some product. But here's I am the looking... question I have for you. Oh no. Here's the question I have for you. I'm gonna sw- flip the switch on you. Oh no. You've been doing this podcast for a year. Okay. What have you learned? Ooh. Um, Do you listen back to the episodes? I did in the beginning a fair bit, and I still do occasionally now. Why do you only do it occasionally? Um, it depends a lot on the guest. Like if if I have a really old friend on, and I listen back on that episode, chances are that episode was just. A conversation like we would normally have so right. yeah there is value as far as like i want to be better at this i'm going to listen back to this episode but i also know in that episode i'm less podcast host more friend joking around with a friend you know hmm. so i'll listen back to like i'll probably listen back to this one kind of think about what i could do better and you know what i think i did good on but 
I'd say, I, you know, it's, I've noticed a difference in my life just talking to people on the side or like in person, kind of really listening and really trying to think of like quality questions to carry on the conversation, like getting over mm. the, the small talk of it. That's good. So it hasn't what been for you, nothing. What would you, what looking, I mean, so from episode one to episode now, what would you look to do in the future for this podcast? Um, What's your goal? What's your goal? My goal for the podcast? I mean, what are your thoughts? I, you like, know, I your, really like your reasonings. This, this is the, I am Captain Ahab and you are Moby Dick. This is like the, the finale for the year. I do want to continue this now. And now well, like, you're saying that you're saying that you're, you're thinking about quitting the podcast. after no, this episode. no, that thought did come through my mind a few weeks ago as far wow. as like, okay, it's coming up. Like I really do enjoy this now and I'm starting to like, I feel like I have a good foundation hopefully. So I'm starting to really branch out and reach out to people that I very much would not have in the beginning. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I do still want to do the podcast and, um, you know, if you would have asked me a year ago what I was doing, I, well, I, aside from the podcast, I wouldn't have the job that I do. I wouldn't live where I am and I wouldn't, my whole life would be very different basically. If you didn't have the podcast. No, 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 no. Just, just a year, a year from a year ago. Oh, my point being is like, you never really know how things are going to shake out. Like you can plan and you can do all this stuff, but. Sometimes life happens and you just got to try to make the most of it. So I do want to continue to grow this podcast. I do want to still do it. Um, I like this format, the one-on-one, maybe two on, like three people as well occasionally. I don't know. It's This is all just an experiment for me, really, hmm. that I'm trying to be disciplined about. Right. Well, here's the good thing. The good thing is, is, you're 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 showing up every week and doing it right that's that's important mm-hmm. and i think that the problem is with a lot of podcasts are it's the intention of why you're trying to do it the reason why i started getting into podcasting is because when i was younger i was by myself most of my life mm-hmm. my parents were divorced i you know grew up as which referred to as a latchkey kid where Ooh. i had a key to the apartment and then there was nobody home I was home alone a lot and I was very young and I was, you know, very, I was young enough that I was afraid when I was at home and I, and I was afraid. I mean, I was afraid. And then I would turn the radio on and I would listen to radio shows because there was a voice that was keeping me company and they weren't scolding me. They weren't telling me what I was doing wrong. They weren't saying things that made me feel bad. They were talking about their lives or they're talking about things and they were keeping me company and keeping me occupied. Mm. And that was something that I kept with me through my childhood. And then when I had my first studio, I was by myself. I wouldn't see another person for, for weeks on it. The only person I would see would be my girlfriend in between and in the morning and night. And then I, I wouldn't see anybody. And radio kept me company. And I, I look back to the times that I was alone or a long car ride and I was, Bored, or I needed someone. I needed to hear someone's voice, or I needed to be, and I and I really felt as though radio was something that 
really helped me. And when the opportunity arose like 12 years ago, my friend Nico and I started a podcast and it was, it was fun, but the first two, 150 episodes were not good. I mean, <laughs> they were not good. I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have a producer. We didn't have someone giving us feedback. We weren't, we weren't, we weren't, it wasn't good. I mean, it was fine, but it wasn't good. Hmm. And it takes a long time for anyone starting this podcast to get good. And I was listening to Howard Stern uh, this week, and he was interviewing Kiss. And it was a great interview. And he was talking to someone, I think, I don't know, I think he was talking to Kiss, he was talking to somebody, and he was talking about the fact that his first 10 years, he thought he was, he sucked. And he, and, he, and he says, I didn't get good until l- much later in my career. It kind of takes a long time to kind of get good, especially at podcasting. So mm-hmm. the most important thing, and I think that's one of the reasons why I said I'll come on in after a year because I thought, because most of the time, and frankly, frankly, most of the time I get asked, I'd say the same thing. And most people give up within a few months. Because not me. Maybe it's not, not me. Fun. Well, here's the problem. You got to do it because you like it. You have to try to figure out ways in which to get better. And, you know, you just have to keep at it. And, and, I, and, I, and I applaud you for doing that. Do you want to know the, the real reason that I did this for oh, a year boy. to have you on the podcast? Is it, is it hope? Does it have to do with hope? What, is, what does the term latchkey kid mean? Are you are you serious? I am a hundred. I don't know what that means. I have I have so genuinely thought about the, this for so long. I did not. Okay. Know. Well, back in the eighties, back in the seventies and the eighties, there were divorce rate was very very high, <laughs> higher than you know normal. Sure. And there were a lot of parents who had to work, and their kids mm-hmm. would come home, and they would come home to an empty apartment, and then. Sure. They were referred to as a latchkey kid who, you know, lots of Generation X kids were latchkey kids where they lived by themselves while their parents worked or or they weren't home and they were home alone. So that's what a latchkey kid was. I mean, it was but, a very specific time in your life in the generations. It was, in the, you know, mostly 80s kids whose parents were divorced and they were of home alone. But do you know why it's like, do you know why it's called that? Yeah, because the fucking latchkey. You have a latch oh. to get in your house. Oh, Jesus Christ, JD! Oh. Well, you know, I, I, what, I didn't know. What did I, you think it was? What do you think latch he comes from? I don't know. I don't. I I, I haven't looked at into this at all because I wanted to ask you. I that is you genuinely. Go. I cannot. I yeah. I'm very happy that I finally have closure with that. We might just wrap the podcast up after all. That's the end of it. That's the that's, that's the it. finisher. <laughs> I do. I have one more thing, Jeff, that I need from you. Go ahead. And then we can get back to the grind, as they say. Um, well, actually, real quick, if you if you want the listeners to to see your work, to buy your knives, to listen to other things that you have, what what do you where do you send them? What do you want them to know? These are your your, your uh, fader knives on Instagram. Fader knives on Instagram. Fader knives on Facebook. Uh, I have the. Uh, I'm a, one of the co-hosts of the uh, Knife Talk, Knife Talk podcast, uh, and uh, I have my own interview show called the Full Blast Podcast. I don't know All if on Instagram. Yeah, I don't know if I've had a guest you know, on the show that has 
a more like top tier uh like you people need to go and and follow jeff on instagram fader knives banger instagram account knife talk great even if you don't like knives maybe if you're a knife maker do that one and full blast great show it's a great show like that hands down it's great many thanks so i hope the listeners all i'll I'll have links in the description but jeff final thing i need a song recommendation for the week um that's a good one a song recommendation for the week okay I'm going to give you a few songs. Okay. I want you to listen to the album Exile on Main Street. Exile Rolling Stones. on Main Street? Exile. Exile oh, I, on I'm Main sorry, Street. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm with you. <laughs> I want you to listen to Moonlight Moonlight Mile. Moonlight Mile is the song for you. That's the song I'm going to suggest. Moonlight Mile by the Rolling Stones. Okay. That's the song for you, JD. Okay. And then you don't have to worry about when you're looking out in the morning and the birds are chirping and you don't have your coffee and you're just settling in and you're looking at the world. Listen to Moonlight Mile and that'll get you squared away. Okay. Do you want a, do you want a song recommendation as well? I typically, Go ahead. I typically give one. You don't have to listen to it, but we, uh, I, just, just something a little light. New, sens- new Sensations. By the Mo Bros. It's a good. It's a good song. I'll have to good check for, it out. Good for working in the shop. <sighs> Look at us. We're here. Jeff, thank you so much for being on Out in the Woods. It is truly an honor. Truly an honor. Thank you. The pleasure's mine. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. As always, cheers and God bless. <laughs>